All right, guys, welcome to Salt City. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Drew, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to especially say welcome to those of you who are new. So you're coming in kind of midstream with us. We are in a teaching series through a book of the Bible called Philippians, and Philippians was written by a mature Christian and church planter by the name of Paul, and he's writing to a church in a city called Philippi. And he is thanking them for their financial support of his ministry. And he's also seeking to inspire them to keep living on mission for Jesus, even though they're in very difficult circumstances. Now, I think this is super applicable for us as the church today, because we're in this situation where we basically have one of two choices for how to look at the mission of the church. One is to kind of circle the wagons and kind of has a, have this mentality like we've all been through something really hard over the past year, and so let's make sure that we survive as an organization. But I think that the other perspective that we can take is that we are in a defining moment of opportunity for the church. And here's how, why I would say that. We are in a defining moment of opportunity for the church because we are living in a traumatized world. People are traumatized by political confusion, by a global pandemic, by relational turmoil, and by isolation. And as Christians, we have good news. So I was reminded of that reality from this quote by a clinical psychologist by the name of Diane Langberg. And she says this, the supreme opportunities before the church today are in the traumas of this world. And so what we can do as Christians, because we have good news, is we can look at the traumas of this world and instead of running in fear or running to our own selfish pleasure, we can actually run to those traumas because God is meeting our needs. And so here's what I want to invite you into through the words of the Apostle Paul this morning. I want you to see that we have the opportunity to partner with God in loving the world. Okay, so three reasons that you would give up your old way of living to do something as crazy as that. The first one is the joy of partnership. Okay, so we're in Philippians chapter 4. We're going verses 14 and 15 to start. Paul writes to this suffering church at Philippi, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Okay, right before this passage is one of those famous verses, even in our culture, that basketball players write on their shoes. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Paul is saying in that verse that he can face any type of situation, whether it's material abundance or poverty, whether it's health or sickness, he can face all of those circumstances with contentment because Jesus is giving him an inner kind of strength 
that is not dependent on having what the world says will make you happy. So he is saying, I can be content whether circumstances are good or bad. But he's writing a thank you letter for a church that's given him money. So he's saying, look, guys, I don't need your money. I got Jesus, which is important for him to say in his day, as it would be important for somebody to say in our day, because we all know religious people will want your money, right? And Paul's essentially saying, but I'm not one of those sleazy guys on TBN. Like, I don't need your money. But he's saying, yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Guys, thanks for the money. Thanks for the support. Thank you for partnering with me in the ministry. But he's not thankful that he has material prosperity. He's thankful that he has gospel partners. He's thankful that other people have recognized that Jesus is the treasure above all treasures. He, he's thankful that there's other people that are delighting in the same kingdom, this invisible kingdom that can't be perceived with human eyes, but can be perceived spiritually, that they have recognized that that is real and it is worth giving their life to. Isn't this true, guys? When other people give their lives to what we see as valuable, it forms friendship and partnership. And the gospel is the ultimate example of that. When you recognize this kingdom that cannot be shaken, and you're giving your life in pursuit of that, and you look beside you and somebody else is running with you and giving their life to that same kingdom, there is a joy that overflows that makes you want to communicate to that person, thank you. Thank you for giving your life to the same thing that I love. And let me give you the shape of sort of this partnership from the church at Philippi. We actually have another letter that Paul wrote to another church called 2 Corinthians, where he writes and he's bragging to them about the faithfulness of the Philippian church. And here's what he's writing to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So that includes the church at Philippi. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Do you see what he's saying? A miracle happened in the church of Philippi. They are experiencing religious persecution and extreme poverty. And the result in their lives has been incredible generosity. In other words, they're like, we got barely any money. We can hardly put food on the table. Let's give it to Paul for his missionary journey. Let's give it to the church. Do you know what they were saying? We don't need money to be happy. We don't need people's approval to be happy anymore. Why? 
We've got Jesus. And he meets all of our needs. The thing that we've been longing for and looking for our whole lives, we have found in Jesus. And Paul is looking at that and he's saying, Welcome to the party. You guys are my partners in ministry and in the gospel because their suffering with joy is evidence that they have a joy that is deeper than circumstances. And Paul's like, yes, you guys got it. This is awesome. Guys, I have had the joy of having many partners in the gospel throughout my life. And one of the ones that I've been rejoicing in this last week is Isaac Schmidt, our worship leader. So last weekend, we had a leader's retreat. We were on this leader's retreat. Isaac was leading worship for us. And at one point, he just burst out into tears. And and we were in a small group, and so we were rejoicing and saying thank you to God for all of the the blessings that he had put in our life. And we were actually singing that song that we were singing just before I came up, all within me. And Isaac's playing the song and he, he's just weeping. And he gets up to the mic and he's having trouble get, getting the words out. And he's saying, thank you, God, for saving my sister-in-law, Hannah. And, and that's so important because part of the reason that Isaac moved up here is because his sister-in-law, Hannah, lived in Minneapolis, and he wanted the opportunity to share the gospel with her so that she could come to know Jesus. But Hannah struggled with alcoholism. And so Hannah was just in and out of rehab and just had a really tough last few years. And in the midst of all that pain and brokenness, she gave her life to Christ. But a short time after giving her life to Christ, she went out and was living in Pennsylvania, was going to college, seemed like she was getting her life back on track and she relapsed into alcoholism and ended up dying and Isaac is saying through tears and deep affliction of his soul thank you God for saving my sister-in-law Hannah how do you rejoice like that you know Jesus is the greatest treasure in the universe. And to have Jesus and to lose everything is to have everything that you need. And when you have a partner in the gospel like that, what it causes in your soul is not just for you to love Jesus more, but for you to love that person more. And Paul is saying, I want you to have Jesus as your treasure, not just so that you can have Jesus, so that you can be connected to a community of partners in the gospel, which are the deepest possible friendships that you can have. So the joy of partnership is the first reason that you would give your life to loving this world with God. The second reason is the offering of sacrifice. Look with me at verses 17 and 18. Paul continues, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul is really repeating himself and clear about the fact, I don't want the money, okay? I'm not looking for the money. 
I'm not seeking the gift. What's he seeking? If he doesn't want the money, he says, I'm seeking the fruit that increases to your credit as you live your life as a sacrifice. Saying, here's the thing. I want you to continue to live your life as a sacrifice so that your life produces fruit and that the fruit is to your credit. What's Paul saying? Your life was made for a purpose. Your life is meant to be about something bigger than you. You were not meant just to take care of yourself and live for yourself, to look inside of yourself and see what your dreams and your ambitions and your joys are. You're not meant to live for the face in the mirror or to become incredibly good at that sport or to be an academic success. You were made for a much bigger purpose than that. And Paul is making an allusion here to John chapter 15, where Jesus unpacks the fruitful life. And Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you want your life to bear fruit, here's what you do. You connect yourself to the vine so that your life produces fruit. So you want your life to be a life of love and overflowing and care for those who have been traumatized by COVID and many other things over the last year. The first priority of your life is to be connected to Jesus Christ in a vital relationship. Because a branch doesn't have any life in it. The life comes from the vine and the sap that flows into the branch. And spiritually speaking, the only way to be alive is to be connected to Jesus. And when you're connected to Jesus, what happens is you begin to fulfill the purpose of your life, not through self-effort, but organically fruit begins to appear in your life. So we all have different ministry callings, but we are all meant to produce the same fruit. The fruit is listed in places like Galatians chapter 5. Maybe you sung a song about it as a kid. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're meant to display those things to a watching world. But Paul makes clear that it's going to come in different forms in different lives, depending on your calling. And it's not that one form is better than another or one calling has more significance than another. So what we see in this passage is we see that Paul is sort of on the front lines of ministry. He's a church planter. He's famous. He's out there preaching. He's out there doing the work of an evangelist. He's traveling from place to place. And eventually, he would be so prominent that he would be a threat to society and be martyred for his faith, okay? So you've got frontline workers, but then you also have faithful servants like this guy Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus basically took the money that the Philippian church had given for Paul's ministry and he traveled over land and sea to bring it to him to the point where Epaphroditus almost died in bringing him the money. So you've got kind of a long-term missionary worker, that's the Apostle Paul, 
You've got Epaphroditus. He's a short-term worker. He's like going on a summer trip. I'm going to take the money to Paul. I'm going to join in his ministry, and then I'm going to come back to Philippi and resume my normal life. And then you have the vast majority of people are living in the role that they had before they came to Christ. So you've got students and you've got workers in this city of Philippi. And so you've got people like Lydia who came to Christ through the Apostle Paul's ministry and she was a seller of purple goods. She had a clothing store. She continued to run the clothing store. You've got the Philippian jailer. We don't even know his name, but I'm assuming that he continued to work at the jail. The difference was instead of bearing the fruit of this world and being harsh and judgmental and angry, he was now bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so I don't know what your calling is right now. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're working in a hospital. Maybe you're a teacher. But whatever your calling is, God is asking you to declare that your life is no longer your own, but you have been bought with a price. And so to think of your life not as yours, but as something to give away to God on a daily basis in service and love to other people. Now that's going to cost you, but the benefit that you're going to get is you're going to fulfill the purpose and the destiny that God has for you. Now think of this image of a fruit tree, okay? If a fruit tree is not producing fruit, then it's not fulfilling its purpose. Now imagine you're talking to a fruit tree and you're like, why aren't you producing fruit? And I don't know why you're talking to a fruit tree, you're crazy. But you're talking to a fruit tree and you're like, why aren't you producing fruit? And it's like, because if I produce fruit, it's going to cost me. People are going to come along, they're going to pick the apples off the tree, so it'd be better not to produce fruit than have people picking apples off my tree. And, and you're like, but you're a fruit tree. You were made to produce fruit. And here's the reality of your own life. You were meant for good works. The Bible de declares that you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that you should walk in them. And so don't let the cost of discipleship scare you away from the purpose of your life. You were meant to produce fruit. Okay, so what's going to give us the inner strength to walk into this destiny that God has for us? How can we stare this cost in the face and move forward in faith and not in fear. Paul gives us this grand promise to bank our life on, and, and he really casts it in the light of seeking a reward. He's basically saying, it won't feel like a sacrifice at all when you think about the reward of faithfulness. Okay, look at verses 19 and 20. It says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, when I read that again, I was surprised 
that verse 19 followed verse 18. Okay, he says in verse 18, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So he's saying, okay, you guys are making all these sacrifices. You're in extreme poverty and extreme affliction, and you are overflowing with generosity. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Why is he saying that? Because sacrifice feels like sacrifice. Sacrifice is hard. And even though there's joy in it, if you are continually giving your life over to the Lord, you will begin to feel weary and you will begin to feel burdened and you will begin to feel like, look at all these people around me. They're not serving. They're not giving their lives away. They're partying. They're doing whatever they want. They're living the dream. They're pursuing money. And it seems like they're happier than I am. Why am I living life on mission for Jesus when it looks like they're living the life of prosperity? Paul is saying, because only God can really meet your needs. Here's the interesting thing. Think about the different ways in your life that you have tried to be the supplier of your own needs. Whether that's academic achievement, sexual promiscuity, greed, whatever it is. Now, have you ever gotten what you wanted and had this moment where you were like, that's it? Like, seriously? I worked that hard to be the valedictorian of my high school, and that's it? I got to give a speech, got a little applause, got to wear an extra tassel around my neck. Are you serious? Why didn't I slack off? What was I thinking? We've all had these moments where we pursued what the world was offering, and we found that our soul was still not at rest. It didn't actually meet our need. Here's what Paul's saying. When you give up trying to meet your own needs by going on mission for Jesus and losing everything, here's what you'll find. Jesus is all that you really need. You see, Paul says, my God will supply all of your needs. It doesn't say by giving you a Lamborghini and a successful job and a super hot spouse. It says, will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying. Jesus is who you've been looking for in all of those other things. What your soul needs is Jesus. So here's what God has done. He has sent his son into the world to save sinners. To save needy, broken, weary people. The son of God is the most precious person in the universe 
Do you know why? Because he has no needs. He is like an overflowing fountain who can continually say to people, come to me and take a drink. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You see, the world is like a desert and we're all crawling around on our hands and knees and we're pretending like sand is water because we would rather eat sand than admit we need water. We would rather just be proud and put on a face for each other and act like we have it all together and act like the world is meeting the desires of our soul than admit once and for all that we need God. That the world's goods are not coming through for us. We need Him to satisfy our soul's thirst. And God is saying, I am amazing at meeting your needs. See what Paul's saying? My God will supply all. You know what the Greek word for all means there? All. (laughs) Brilliant. Every single need that you have in the depths of your soul can be met by Jesus Christ. All your longings, all your passions can be fulfilled in him. Now here's here's what I know you're thinking right now. Kind of. I mean, like, really? But Christianity is still really hard, right? Guys, I remember... um, and coming to plant Salt City Church, this passage was one of the ones that I feel like popped off the page for me and has been just my mantra throughout the last four years. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I've really lived off of this passage. And the past four years have been the hardest four years of my life. Okay, so... Uh, four years ago, last week was our kickoff, or next week would be the kickoff Sunday of our church in 2017. Six months later, uh, I had a son born with a congenital heart defect, and he died five months and three days later. As a result of that stress, six months later, my body went berserk, and I got rheumatoid arthritis, and every joint in my body was on fire. I learned that you have a joint in your throat. Because I went to a a rheumatologist, and I was like, my throat is hurting like crazy. Why would that be? She's like, yeah, you actually have a joint there. I'm like, why do I have a joint in my throat? I've never not wanted a joint in my throat more. And then, and then, so, get some medication. Thankfully, God used that in my life to, to kind of calm my, my arthritis down, still grieving the loss of our son. And then COVID hits. And you get into just a leadership disaster. Like everyone in leadership, almost without exception that I've talked to, wanted to quit at some point in the last year. And I told people, 
But the hardest thing for me about 2020 was that it followed 2019 and 2018. It's just felt like wave after wave after wave of suffering in my life. So my circumstances have been horrible since this church was planted. And so what I'm not telling you is that mission with Jesus will fix all of your problems and make your circumstances better. What I'm telling you is that when you hit rock bottom, Jesus is there. You see, when you have Jesus, what you have is a treasure that can never be taken from you. See, everything else in your life will be taken away. Whether it's tomorrow or 75 years from now, you will lose it all. And I want to prepare you for that. And I want you to have Jesus. And I want you to know the peace that passes all understanding. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus because he will meet all of your needs no matter what you face in this life. Here's the amazing thing about all this. This is why this works, this last statement in the passage. Okay, look with me at this last phrase. It's also surprising if you think about it. Paul said, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then he says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Okay, why does he say to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen? When I think of glory, I think of like splendid perfection, like the sun's glory, like keep your distance and kind of squint your eyes because the sun has glory. So why is Paul saying, my God will supply all of your needs to him be glory forever and ever. Here's the amazing thing about God. This is the glory of God to meet your needs. You see, what makes God most glorious is that he is so full and so joyful and so perfect and so overflowing that he has no needs. And because he has no needs, do you know what he wants from you? Nothing. He doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need your life. He doesn't need your sacrifice. He, here's what we see in this passage. You need your sacrifice. You need gospel partnership. You need the joy of following Jesus. The only agenda that God has for you in this whole Christianity thing is to make you happy forever. He wants to give something to you. And just so you know, I'm not proof te texting. I'm not just pulling a verse out and making it say something it doesn't. Let me cross-reference it for you. Okay, Romans chapter 11, verses 35 through 36. Paul summarizes his theology in these two verses. Or who has given a gift to him, that is to God, that he might be repaid? Okay, who's given God a gift that he might be repaid? The answer is nobody. For from him and through him and to him are all things. 
To him be glory forever and ever. You see the logic of that text? Who's given God a gift that he might be repaid? You can't repay God because he's given you life and breath and everything else. Even your ability to sacrifice is a gift from God. Your brain to think about the sacrifice is a gift from God. Your life to sacrifice is a gift from God. The fact that you're hearing this message right now is a gift from God. Everything is a gift from God. You can only give God what he's first given you, and so you can't pay him back. It's like buying your dad a tie with his money at Christmas. Here you go, I'm paying you back for all your sacrifices. I think I bought the tie through you. That's how God gives you stuff. And that is the glory of God. That he can meet your needs over and over and over and over again. And so God made the world a desert so that his glory as a fountain would be obvious. So come and drink. Find your satisfaction in Jesus with me this year. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are here um, overflowing with joy and love. We are needy, broken, weary, tired, exhausted, traumatized, angry, bitter, resentful, helpless people. And we can't meet our own needs and we can't meet the needs of those around us and the ways that we've tried have just made us feel more needy and more desperate and more emotionally vulnerable and would you give us the grace to see that you are the treasure that we've been looking for that you are the joy of our souls that to know you is to have life would you draw us into that reality Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.